that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? Amen. I said amen. Amen. And precisely that is what God will do for you today again in Jesus' name. Amen. The word will enter your heart. Amen. Giving you light. Amen. Direction. Amen. Bringing healing to this temporal body. Amen. So that you will do the will of God for your life. Amen. The word will come and deliver you from every oppression. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats, the Lord is good. Again, today I would like to take off from the book of Philippians, chapter 3. There are so many scriptures I have um, in my heart to speak from. I have a particular subject in mind. And I'm hoping, like I said last time, we're coming to the end of the series. This is what salvation is. And uh, we have, if I, I clearly didn't know, I will come back to it today. But yesterday, was it yesterday? Yes, yesterday. Something just dropped in my heart, and I realized the Holy Spirit wants us to cap it up with this. All right, so if we finish it today, next time we'll, we'll move on to something else. This is what salvation is, the concluding part. Philippians chapter 3, one of my favorite portions of the scriptures. Now I'm going to read from verse 1. I'm not sure where I'm going to stop, but let's just start from verse 1. Finally, my brethren, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evildoers, beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now bear that in mind, we are the true circumcision. Sometimes I hear people teach, in fact I heard them Another pastor, I think it was Pastor Delvan, saying something yesterday, and I was so blessed by it. I listened to a particular message. And because he said the same thing that we have been saying, that, listen, that there's this trend in today's Christianity to move back towards Judaism. And they glorify it. They wear skull cap to pray. They wear this, and they make it look like a, you blow a shofar. You know, they make it look so spiritual. And you see people carrying shofar around and uh, prayer shawls and caps. It is not more spiritual than what I'm wearing. I hope you're getting my point. It is not more spiritual. You can blow your village whistle. It is the will of God. None of them gets prayers answered. You can buy a free whistle and blow it. Jesus will not move. It doesn't move, you blow a shofar too. The thing that moves heaven is the name of Jesus Christ. You know, we just get up and just move into things. I heard a man say that all the promises were for Jews. I said, it's not true. Paul said they were custodians. God gave it to them to keep. In Christ Jesus, there's no Jew or Gentile. All the promises of God, I confirm, they are yes and amen only in him. You know, I say this things again and again, because anytime you tune TV, you hear all kinds of things. I love Jews. I love Gentiles. I love the people, I'll say jokingly, I love the people of Udi. I love the Jews. I love the uh, people of um, Benue State. I love South Africans. I love Chinese people. 
I love Indians. I love the citizens of today's nation of Israel. Believe me, I have equal love for the Palestinians. Because if anyone is outside Christ, it's an old creature. Did you hear what I said? I turned the scripture around there. Only in Christ do you matter. There is no promise God ever gave every, anybody that he did not fulfill when he sent Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. There is no promise that God ever gave anybody that he did not fulfill in Jesus Christ. Bear that in mind. Jesus is the fulfillment of all divine promises. The promises of God are inside him. I'm able to say that God has two covenant people on the earth. I don't believe it. Some of the teachers I respect, they say it. I don't believe it. There is no covenant people he has outside Christ. The only covenant he has has been subsumed into Christ Jesus. The promise he gave to Abraham, he said was to Abraham and to whom? His seed. And he said to us categorically, seed as of one. And that seed is whom? Christ Jesus. I don't want to say that again. Let me just add this one to it. Just to clarify for people. I have this suspicion in my heart. I won't say the Lord said to me, or I'm convinced it's a prophetic spirit. I'm not saying so. It's just a suspicion. Do you know God wants, you know God loves Africans, if you believe that, say amen. amen. Do you believe he, love, he loves Arabs? And Arabs are predominantly Muslims. Is that what he wants? No, answer me, answer me. A revival will break out in the Arab world. Now, that was a prophetic word. That's not my opinion. That's not what I'm just thinking. I've heard words like that here and there. I bought a book the other day, Dreams and Visions. I should read that book again. I, and I tell you, I, I like stories. It's a compilation of a man investigated, met people who Jesus had been personally coming to visit to teach them the gospel in the heart of Islamic land, in Egypt, the academic or intellectual capital of Islam. That's Egypt. In Saudi Arabia the custodians of their holy sites in different countries in the world, people who Jesus personally will meet. A woman, listen to this, a preacher was going one day on the road and a woman stopped him. And these are very conservative societies, Islamic societies. The interaction between men and women is not very you know, free. But the woman stopped him and said, you, I know you. And he looked like, where did we meet? You are the one I saw in my dream. That Jesus said that you will talk to me. What choice did he have? He had to sit, he went to an open space. He sat with the woman and preached to her the gospel. He said, there's somebody who has been visiting her every night for some time. And he said, I will send you my friend. I hope you're getting my point. He said, I will send you my friend. So as he, at that day she was good, he just saw, because he showed her in the dream a picture of his friend. So as she was going that day, she just saw that man. And recognize him. Say, you, I know you. You are the one that was supposed to talk to me. Give her the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she gave her life to Christ. And warned her ahead of time. The road is going to be rough. Another mission, another Christian, a Bible teacher in Egypt was kidnapped. By a man carrying a gun. His head covered. Of course, he put a hood over the man's head too. Jump this fence. He jumped. Yeah, go. Enter this guy. He kidnapped the man. You know what they call kidnapping? The man knew his own was over. Then he got to a, a warehouse. When they, they put him in, he locked the door. He removed the cover of his, the man's head, removed his own mask, and he saw himself in the midst of Islamic clerics. And they apologized that story. This is the only way we could do it. It has to be secret. There's no way we could invite you. We have to kidnap you. 
So the kidnapper and the kidnapper, <laughs> the kidnapper was on the mission. He's one of them to bring you so we can hear the truth in secret. Authentic stories. He was a known Bible teacher. So they said, this is the fellow who can help us. Nobody should kidnap me. <laughs> Don't go and say, hey, we found a way to hear Pastor Banky. Tune to my you know, <laughs> website. <laughs> the Lord is good. But it really happened to this one. True story. I can show you the book. The name is called Dreams and Visions. So Jesus is interested in these things. Now, why, now back to what I was saying, I suspect. Right? I see the heart of the Lord. And I'm saying right now, that our current doctrine is a hindrance to what he wants to do. Our doctrine concerning Judaism and Christianity is hindering the move of God. Because what most Arabs are hearing when our American brethren preach is I have to be a Jew. And you know that's the last thing they want to be. It wouldn't have been a problem if God demanded it. We read our scriptures enough to know he never did. They want to first, you know, somebody said one of the problems Christianity has, of course, God will solve his issues, all right? But one of the problems he has, especially when it comes to Islam, is that a lot of Muslims equate Western civilization with Christianity. So every sin of the American, they blame it on Christians. And instead of Christians to say it's not so, they affirm it. Americans, we are international TV. TV, you say we are broadcasting and we agree with you globally. Then American soldiers are in Iraq, and you are saying we should be praying for American soldiers in Iraq. It doesn't make sense. You shouldn't broadcast that on TV. That should only go into American homes. What about the Iraqis? What about the Iranian soldiers? They don't need the gospel? American soldiers in Iraq are not fighting the cause of God. They are fighting American cause. I'm not saying it's not the will of God, but that's not the cause of God. I heard a man see on TV. God, I said, what is going on here? God, have mercy on us. He said, America is ready for God's blessings because now they have recognized Jerusalem. I said, what idiocy are we practicing? You think God cares? I get to a particular point there. I start getting a bit emotional. Then when they want to show you Africa, they show some hungry people. Usually they paint a picture of, as if we are, you know, charity destinations. Recognize Israel, uh, Jerusalem. Give offerings to poor people in Africa. And that is a picture we paint of the gospel. It is terrible. Think about it. A Palestinian watching TV. An Arab watching TV. You say she believe in Jesus Christ and say Jesus will bless you. For recognizing Jerusalem. He will switch off the TV. And he should. If I were him, I will. And it's most painful because Jesus doesn't care. He doesn't care. He cares about the man's soul. He said, neither in this mountain, nor in Jerusalem, will you worship in that day. Because the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. We don't seem to remember that. This is the suspicion I was telling you about. I believe that God, now this is suspicion. Everything I've set up to now is true. You can take it to heavenly bank, like they say. I believe that God is depending on Africans to rise up, preach the gospel so he can reach the Arabs. Now, let me beg my brethren. It's not everything American you copy. If I see you with shofar, I will swear for you. Swear for you, it doesn't have any meaning, you understand? If I say Nigerian with a skull cap, you are confused. You are confused. Black face, skull cap, does it make sense? Nancy Pastor, you just want to copy them. You want to look American. You won't know when you, you, you copy them until you divorce your wife. Co- copy them until you'll be buying things you can't afford. Nancy Christian going around with, with, uh, with chauffeur. If you want to pray, carry gong gong, God will hear you. No, they call gong gong. Look at drum. That's what we have. 
God doesn't care. It's what is blown inside your heart. If you use, you know when we're young, we used to use our lips for whistle. Do you know how to do it? You hand, God will say hate. Don't think the more Judaistic you are, the closer you are to heaven. How can they hate the one said that Hebrew is the language of heaven? Our brethren are interesting. This man almost said, he didn't use these words, that it was Hebrew God used to create the heavens and the earth. I said, ah, uh-huh. wow. You know, Jesus is just shaking his head. I said, why don't you read the New Testament and see the opinion of people that Jesus talked to directly? Judaism is not Christianity. It was the foundation. They were the custodians. We're not arguing that. You don't have to be Judaist in any way to be a Christian. It was hard for even people like Paul to understand. Paul struggled with it for a very long time. God had to use force to explain it to him. But having explained it to him, he taught it to us. Let's not lose it. Jews and Gentiles outside Christ, the same. Jews and Gentiles in Christ, the same. The difference is Christ. Without Christ, he came unto his own. His own did not receive him. But as many as received him, they went into Christ. Then he said, preach this gospel to who? Every creature. Every nation. Baptize them. Make them one body. Paul said there is one body. It is ungodly to divide that body into Jew and Gentile. You didn't hear what I said? Please get your Christianity right. It is colossal. It is, back, it is backsliding. What we are doing in Christianity today is doctrinal backsliding. There's a wave of it. And I'm preaching like this so that you will stop it. If you're a tourist, go to Jerusalem. It has nothing to do with your Christianity. Nothing. We're not doing Islam here. Islam says once in a lifetime, if you can afford it at least once, pay a visit to the Holy Land. Christians don't have Holy Land. The high Christians call the nation of Israel Holy Land. There's nothing holy there. Nothing. When God met Moses, where was he? When he called the burning bush, Midian. He said, remove your shoes from where you are standing. Because you are standing on what? Holy ground. Anywhere God stands, anywhere the people of God gather, that's holy ground. There's one holy land somewhere. Ah! Premier layout. After that, um, yeah, you know, you know, after, ex, no, no, not another one. That's another, that's another holy land. He's describing his own holy land. I'm describing my own holy land. Don't confuse me, my friend. <laughs> When you get that, you turn that side, then you take that turn, you know, you know the place. Holy land. When you stand there, you are close to heaven. That's my house. <laughs> right here. Holy land. Look at redeemed, blood-bought, washed, holy people of God seated. And what do you think this place is? I'm not traveling anywhere to go and see any holy land. Listen to me. There are people that God ordained to be architect, uh, what they call it, archaeologists and dig things. There is nothing you want to tell me now. Paul did not need you to dig up anything for him to believe in Jesus. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. I hope you're getting my point. We meet Jesus in Nigeria, don't we? What do I keep on saying, Udi? We meet Jesus in Udi, don't we? Yeah. We do. Oji River, he's there. He's in Uzuka, thank you. He's in Ogu. He's in Abuja. He's in Abakaliki here. Once we preach the gospel and we gather his remnants, wherever they gather, wherever they live, Holy Land. Let's bear these things in mind. Paul said, that's why I went into it, we are the circumcision. When he was saying we, he was writing to what they would have called Gentile people.
people, but they were Christians. So I don't like the word Gentile Christians, really. I just like to see. It's just for the purpose of saying, it's like saying Enugu Christians, Nigerian Christians, Ghanaian Christians. You understand? No. Slovakian Christians. That's just why we use the word Gentile. Because in Christianity, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile. There are three groups of people. You're either a Jew, you're a Gentile, or you're a Christian. Once you become a Christian, you're no longer a Gentile. Once you become a Christian, you're no longer a Jew. That's why you will see, Paul, go and read your Bible well. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He will say the Jews sought to crucify him. He always called them distinctly from believers. Is it from dangers from the Jews? And the person writing naturally is a Hebrew of Hebrews. That's Paul. Let's get it clear. Jesus is all. If you are in him, you have everything. A man said once, and I felt like, may God forgive you, because it's an insult. He said, people ask me, am I a Jew? He said, I, I said, no, I'm not, but I wish I were. I said, what? I wish I were. If my son says that he was, he wishes he was somebody else's son. I don't care how poor I am. Do you know that? He shouldn't think about it. Because even if I don't open my mouth, if I utter from my heart against him, you will never be well with him. And that's me, a human being. I'm not even allowed to be called a jealous man. How much more a jealous God? That is Christ Jesus has redeemed you. You open your mouth and say you wish you were something else. Jesus says, what? What? What will you gain I have not given you? What are you going to gain that I have not given you yet? You wish you were what? You know, you know the way we do it? When Christ, we have been taught in such a manner that, you know, like you said, soft innuendos here and there, soft comments. Next thing you know, when you say, you ah, you Jew. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Sometimes Christians, you don't understand. They are trying to pay back for the centuries that they persecuted the Jews. It's guilty conscience. Because the natural, not the real church, really. The natural people that brought you to Christianity as a religion, they a lot of time persecuted Jews, which was wrong. Nobody says right. It's very, very wrong. You should love everybody. Everybody needs the gospel. Everybody. Everybody needs the gospel. The Arab needs it. The Jew needs it. And listen to me. God will save everyone that will believe. And the, the revival will break out in Arab countries. Yes. Egypt will experience revival. Ah, were they the one that kept the Lord Jesus Christ for some time? No, God doesn't forget things like that. So this was where Jesus was kept away from Herod for a while. He will bless that place. He will bless an Egyptian. He will. He will, he will wash away the shame. You know, people say that when we're talking about Egypt is a type of the world. A time will come, we won't be able to say it. You will say the former Egypt, because the modern Egypt will be a type of heaven. Amen. That is what Jesus does. Let's get back into today's message. No, we have to keep correcting the people of God before they backslide, before they slip into apostasy. Very soon they will, they will start observing Passover. You think it's a joke? It, now, small, small, they take start. Because somebody will see a vision, say, it happens that it was during the Passover. I say, bros, it could have been during New Year Festival for all Jesus' kids. It's like an African come today that you see, during the New Year Festival, I had a vision, so I knew it was a new beginning. You know, God does strange things. When you are eating New Year, he will visit you. If the Jew is doing Passover, he will visit him. Visit and visit. Just hear what I want to tell you. Christian, you know, they almost start observing Feast of Tabernacles. Very soon they will be camping in, in Okwara Square, in Boots. Because this was when Holy Spirit... <laughs> Things that Jesus said leave behind. 
God has left them. Say, it is finished. You know how we say it in Nigeria, Pidgin English? You don't do. That's what he said. He said, you don't do. Apostle Do you know there are some people who are gathering money to build the temple that Jesus will return to? Oh, yes, they are doing it. If you give an offering to such a project. <laughs> That's all I will say. Just mind yourself. What did I say? Jesus said, hey, you are giving an offering for what? A physical house I will come back to. Are you normal? Is this a temple you want to build for me? Is it, a new, is it on the new earth or the old earth? So when I melt it, the old one, what will happen? Christians do strange things. Let's be careful, though. Let's hold on to Christ. Don't add anything to him. There is one body. If you see a Jew, hug him. If you see an Arab, equal hug him. Americans have one coalition. Christians united in support of Israel. It's very, very good. Somebody say amen. You are reluctant to say amen. It's good. But there must also be Christians united in support of Arabs. In support of Arabs. There must be Christians united in support of Palestinians. There must be Christians united in support of South Africans. And of course, there must be Christians united in support of Udi. The Lord is good. No, well, let's go and do it. We should have to go and open a branch in Udi. The one we're shouting Udi, Udi all the time. <laughs> you can unite to support anything. There can even be Christians united in support of football, if you like it like that. But please, don't feel super spiritual. Now, beyond this, united in support of all kinds of strange things. What we really need to unite in support of is the preaching of the truth of the gospel of Jesus to Jews and to Gentiles. To Jews, to Greeks, to Romans, to Africans, to Indians, to Chinese people, Japanese, Aborigines in Australia, to the Eskimos. Everybody, we should be united in support of preaching the truth. God doesn't give you any special blessing because you, are, you personally are giving money to a physical nation. No. It's not, I'm telling you the truth. I watch American TV, just, it pains my heart, Christian TV. The man said, oh God, we're ready for your blessing. We'll not recognize Jerusalem. Because when he died, you, you, at the time you're recognizing Jerusalem, you also recognize same-sex marriage. So which one should I bless? Which one should I curse? I hope you're getting my point. No, there are times in my heart, I tell Banky, don't talk about these things, Joe. People will be angry. I said, Banky, how long will you continue trying not to make people angry? Oh, I stopped it long ago. I stopped, not today. I don't, I've started, if there was a time I started getting happy, making people angry. You know, if everybody likes you, something's wrong with your life. You know that? Then, Brother Gulea Koyana preached recently that when people have gone mental, they need Jeremiah, a confrontational prophet. I said, ah. So I told my wife, in fact, my wife gave me the name by herself without using the name. There's a reason, I won't tell you the reason why she decided that you, look, you sound like Jeremiah. Different reasons. The Lord is good. So I used to be, I, I'm Daniel all the time. Then I became Amos last year. I'm Jeremiah this year. Pastor Daniel, Amos, Jeremiah, Banky. It's a good title. I'm telling you. So what I'm going to say is that if you, if you are angry, you know, there are some unbelieving prophets we had in Nigeria. You know that? And one, I'll tell you, there's someone called Fela Anikula Kokuti. He said, if you don't, if you're not like, you hang. Prophetic word. If you hang, you will die. He said, you die for nothing. <laughs> the Lord is good. 
If donkey can speak, speak, a man spoken in book can also speak. <laughs> oh, let's get back to our message. All right. Brethren, please correct yourself. Love Jesus Christ. Forget all these other things. All right? He said, we are the circumcision. Which verse is that? We are the true circumcision. My Bible says, the literal Greek is, we are the circumcision. It didn't even say true. My Bible just wanted that. I use the New American Standard as my main text. You know that. It just added the word true to make it clear. He said, we are the circumcision. Is what Paul said. He said, who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now, Paul now said, let's get back to our message. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. Now, look at it. People who said they want to be Jews. The man who was, he said, I didn't want it anymore. The man who was. I should have confidence in the flesh. Circumcised, physically speaking, the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. That is, I kept the stricter part, the stricter interpretation. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. Now, please notice verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered, now please follow this, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them, my degrees, my money, my background, but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. I didn't just count them as rubbish for nothing. I was looking for something, trying to gain something, that I may gain Christ. And that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. What am I looking for? Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. You know, I preached last time and I said this resurrection is not for everybody. It is through faith in Christ Jesus. The res- resurrection we talked about last week that's the one we preached last time, which we titled the, okay, I think we gave you the title finally, the salvation of the body, something like that. So I explained the resurrection body. It is for those who believe. So Paul was explaining here, that is what I wanted to attain to. He now went out and I explained something. Not that I have already obtained it or have or, or, um, already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let me just stop reading here. This is verse um, 14. Now, why am I talking about this? Today, what I want to talk about is that pursuit of salvation. We have explained what salvation is, and I just want to come to a conclusion of everything Explaining the pursuit of salvation. I've established that salvation comes in three um, parameters, three dimensions. The salvation past, in which we are declared righteous by our faith in Christ Jesus, an instantaneous thing. Once you give your life to Christ, you commit your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. Your sins are forgiven. Your past is washed away. Then there's the second side, we said it is continuous sanctification, in which every remnant of the flesh that's still clinging up to you, uh, clinging onto you, is being removed by the washing of water. 
God retrains you, changes your attitude. He keeps on exposing things to you. Paul said it like this. I'm traveling in birth for the Galatians, he was saying, until Christ is formed in you. That is, there's a process of the forming of Christ. Until I'm conformed, like Paul said, conformed to that image. It's a process. So we discussed that. Then last time when I said that there's something else we are looking forward to. There's a redemption of the body. We discussed that one extensively last week. Like I said, those who are not around, please try and get the message, all right? The salvation of the body. So salvation comes in three dimensions, past, present, and future. The present one is present continuous. It's present continuous, all right? Now, what I want to just bring out again, okay, is the expectation of God concerning our character, concerning our pursuit in life, concerning our behavior. What does God expect? That's what I want to talk about. What manner of persons ought we to be? In light of all of these things. Like I said last time, you know, we were reading from uh, what Peter said. He said that, now if these things are really going to pass away, what kind of people are we supposed to be? Like if somebody dies, how do we mourn? Knowledge. You know, we talked about it, I think, one of the Tuesdays. God, we operate by information. We operate by information. In life, it's what you know that decides what you do. That's why when he said we went to hide because we were naked, the question he asked was what? Who told you? You were naked. Because the action was based upon what they now knew. And he was surprised to hear that. He said, who told you? So anything you know decides how you behave. So if a loved one dies as a believer, look, we miss people. We do. I mean, people are traveling. You miss them. Somebody you will see in the next one month. You know, you may even shed a tear. In the same manner, somebody you may not see for another 20 years, another 30 years. Yes, you will miss the person. But you are not sorrowing, like the Bible says, like those who don't have hope. It's information. It's information. This world is going to pass away, and everything that is in it. So we're not laying up treasure. The other day I heard somebody saying that, I'm going to build up wealth for my great-grandchildren. I said, you don't believe just going back again, have you? You know, sometimes we Christians are very, very funny. We preach one thing, practice another thing. You know the truth? We really don't believe Say, Pastor Banky, what are you saying? We shouldn't lay up wealth for our grandchildren. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Precisely what I'm saying. Exactly what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not my grandchildren they're on their own. What I will do for my grandchildren is to take care of their, their own parents. Who are my children? Do you understand my point? Yeah, I'll take a good, very good care of that. I'll teach them the word of God. I will teach them righteousness and what? Just is the best I can do for my grandchildren. You know, sometimes we don't believe this Bible. Though. Solomon said, look at him. He's making, laying up money. He said, for he doesn't even know what that, now, he was talking about his son. Solomon was saying, he said, you don't even know what your son's son will be like. He said, a professor, which kind of prophecy? Then David, with everything he did, his grandson was a, was a moron. Rehoboam. You know, that was David's grandson. And listen, God is not going to retire because you died. If he could bless you in your generation, why can't he bless your grandchildren? What is wrong with you? Don't you see how many houses all over Enugu that grandchildren are, they are, they are cleaning gutter in America. They're not even staying there. Listen, it is possible to lay up treasure in heaven. Well, how do you do that? He says, sell all you have, give to the poor. And it's not the money that you are laying up, it's faith. Your actions decide, what I'm going to say is that there's a way you will live today. That you will be saying in effect, you know, many, oh God, please, we'll get back to our message. There are many things to do to teach, to teach, to help people. The one that makes me laugh a lot. Please laugh with me. I know many of you will not laugh. Apostle, laugh, Joe. Thank you. 
You see people, listen to me, listen to what I want to say. Father, either not educated, or educated, was a civil servant, survived SAP, you know SAP. If as a civil servant you did not die during SAP, you won't die in a long time. Structural adjustment program. I don't want to talk about that in detail. Some people became very poor, usually mostly civil servants. Some other people became rich. People who could take hold of business opportunities. Now, but let's talk, I'm talking about some people. So a man, civil servant, survives SAP, trained the children, managed struggle through university. Then God began to bless the same children. Are you getting my point? Their father wasn't rich. But God took this boy, this girl, and blessed him. Blessed her. Gave her a good job. Blessed the business. Opened doors so that, I mean, he's talking tens of millions like normal. He needs a car. He prizes it. Then 25 million he pays. Then the same fellow will turn around. Now, listen, if you're an unbeliever, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Christians. Crazy children of God. The same person will turn and say, I want a bright future for my children. They will pack his wife, pack his children, and go and locate them in North America and stay in Nigeria. Your wealth has made thee mad. You know, Paul said that, you know, somebody told Paul that your learning has made thee mad. People, things can make people mad. Money makes people mad. Why did I tell the story of your father for you? No, no disrespect. My father was like that too. What I meant is that the God who took you from a humble background and brought you to a point where you can buy a car for 25 million naira, where you can buy flight tickets for a family of six, where you can buy a house somewhere outside the country, that God will not die when you retire. He won't. Don't be stupid. Listen, only talking to you if you're of faith. If you are not a Christian, please log out. I'm not talking to you now. Don't even give your life to Christ now. Give your life to Christ at the end of the message. So let us know we are talking to each other. We are telling Christians to wake up and behave normal. You expose yourself to unnecessary sexual temptations. You've been married for goodness sake for 12 years. You are not celibate. Don't lie. You have four children. Ah, were your children conceived of the Holy Spirit? They want to be seen family once in a very rare while. It's not the will of God. And when you ask, they say, you know, it is because, you know, you want a, good, a future for the children. I say, wait, oh, wait, oh. Some people say Nigeria is worse now than before. It's not true. I'm, I'm old enough to let you know it's a lie. It is God that shows mercy. Didn't you see what he did with coronavirus? Let me give you the word of God. All this kidnapping, headsmen attack, he will drive you back into the desert. Amen. By the end of next year, it will be, it used to be like this. Amen. No, did you not live in Enugu if those of you are here 18 years ago? Driving at the Denny filling station open past 7 o'clock. Now people carry Jerry and walk to filling station at 12 midnight in Enugu of today. And they tell the country is getting worse. I said, not for me. I don't know about you. 15, 16 years ago, every filling station in Enugu closed 7 p.m. 7 p.m. they are closed. I, I met, how many of my friends do I know? Put in the boot of cars. There was one guy I saw one day. He brought tears to my eyes. He came to my department. So we're looking at his book. Uh, so we're, we're laughing. But you know, I was laughing, but I was near tears. You know why? On his textbook, he's a doctor. On his textbook was written notes to his wife. Written in you know, funny handwriting. You know, he was in the dark, in the boot of a car. His car. And he was apologizing to the woman. We're laughing, but I didn't find it funny. He had children, was telling her what to do in the boot of his own car. 
But he survived. That's like when we're reading the story. We're, you know, we're not laughing. But ah, I looked at the guy. I was moved. In this city. When last you hear of that? I'm not saying bad things don't happen, but let nobody make it look as if you are, you know, they tell you your country is just going down, 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 down. Run to Europe where, they, what did Dizu tell us the other day? That statistics show that as if 10 or 20% of the men have slept with animals. Now you tell me you are trying to get a future for your, for your children. I ask, you're not a believer. You are not. Stop telling me lies. Because if you're a believer, you should have sense. The God that saw your struggling father, saw your struggling mother, they struggled to take you through school. Then he looked at you and blessed you. Looked at your wife, blessed her. Raised you people up. And he said, do you thus pay back the Lord? That's what the Bible says. You can't even just extend it. The advantage your children have already, you didn't have it. Right now, you, before they blink, you know, one day, I, my wife talked to me about this. My son needed the laptop, so I just I teased him a bit, made him make some promises. I was going to buy the laptop. I bought him one and allowed him to buy himself. He had chosen the one he wanted. So I transferred the money to his account. He paid with his card. Jumia brought it for him. You know, he sent me a text. He said, Daddy, thank you. Are you getting my point? If all my, chi- if all my children need... One day, my wife and I just ordered oh, Amazon Kindle, you know, tab, dash to the one, 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 one. You know, it was not an issue. One day, my friend and I were talking. He said, when we were young, he said, how can you have three pairs of shoes? How can? He said, people didn't do such things. No, you get my point. It's two, maximum. One pair of shoes and one other auxiliary. That auxiliary is the, what they call the kakaroro, the canvas, the swimming shoes, everything. <laughs> We take these things for granted. But many of us have reached the point in which if, if my children just come, you're entering, okay, they say bring it. I won't even, I just, okay, go and choose the one you like. And then somebody tells me that. Give your children a future. Surround them with moralless people. What did God say you needed to do to give your children a future? Teach them righteousness and what? Justice. Pray for them. I have sustained him. He said, with green and with new wine. If you're a believer, I'm talking to you. If you're not a believer, please, I'm not talking to you. Don't argue. I'm not talking economics. I'm not talking political science. I said something here the other day, and it dawned on me again, you know, that, I mean, it was after I said it, I realized that, ah, I was just saying, you know, just preaching. I said, since I was young, dollar has been crawling against the Naira. That Naira, you know, just sliding here and there. I was... I was still small, okay? But I was old enough to know when Naira was 75 kobo to the dollar. I remember that. I was in university when it was 4 Naira. I told the story before. My friend who was studying at another university, his economics professor said to become 10 Naira. And I, I wanted to curse the guy in my heart. That how will you say it's 10 Naira? How can you be so wicked? By the time I was coming to Enugu, it was 100 Naira. That was 20 years ago. I saw, one day I was into one of our old messages in which it crossed 500 years ago. It crossed back down and finally stabilized at about, um, um, you know, for the time it was, you know, no, before, no, it went down to almost 200 and went up again, got to 360, then now it's dancing around four, between 450 to 500, dancing up and down. And one thing I'm supposed to do, at the commandment of God, stop looking at it. Now, on, in all this crawling, 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 you know what I've noticed? I have become more prosperous in life. I'm not talking about what I eat now. Let's leave that. 
I have become more effective in ministry. When it was one naira, one twenty, we were on one radio station, and went to one TV station. As of today, we are on twenty-three radio stations. Twenty-three. How many did I say? Basically, you know what the Lord is saying. You are not central bank, my friend. Face your business. Let me tell you something about your children's future. It's in the hands of God. You have a choice of two. Christian, I'm talking to you. You have a choice of two. Either give the children to God or take care of them yourself. Listen, you have a short while to make up your mind. Once you take, once you decide, whichever one you choose, get ready for the blessing and the consequences. You want to take care of them according to your own ability? Have fun. You want me to take care of them? Do what your father did for you. You don't realize he prayed for you. You know why your father could pray for you while you are blessed? He knew there was no help. Prosperity has a problem. He helps you plan stupid plans. Poverty has an advantage. You have to go to God. When you are sick, it's malaria. You know where they sell anti-malaria. When you're sick, you don't know what. You, know, you enter the wardrobe. Heal me or I die. And God will answer. He doesn't want to hurt Prosperity has its own problems. You start having ideas. You start having ideas how to plan the future of your children. Something you can't do. You know, we were having a discussion the other day, that was yesterday, or the, oh, yes, yesterday, about uh, the plight of blacks in America and all of that. So we, I, I said, look, brethren, please stop all of these things. One brother said, <laughs> were the Jews not slaves in Egypt? I just telling the story thing today. Well, how come we Africans want to die that we're head slaves? That's why we're backward. The ones at home, did they hold them slaves? <laughs> were they slaves? The ones at home, they were not slaves. They were the ones even holding the people, other people's slaves. Ethiopians were never conquered. They were not colonized. They were not carried away as slaves. Are they rich today? External reserve in Ethiopia, $1 billion. Nigeria, what are all drugs below 36 billion? We'll be getting angry. So my brother and I were discussing, look, the brother, let's stop all this story of, uh, of uh, what do you call it? We're, we're slaves, we're slaves. That's why we will not make progress. So you have to get on your knees and pray. Now this is where I'm going. Someone now said, you see, when you go to school there, they will be telling you that you can't amount to anything. This is where I'm going by prayer. It's prayer. I said, why do you, you're a Christian, why do you talk nonsense? Did they not tell Ben Carson the same thing? When discrimination was stronger than now? Did they not tell his mother the same thing? But what was the key to his prosperity? One day they were leaving church. They were not even, you know, word of faith, declaring faith people like that you are today. The woman was a seven-day Adventist or something like that. They were leaving church, the young boy said, black boy, single mother, literally single mother who was in her early 20s. She had those two children before she turned 20. 20. The boy turned to the mother and said, do you think I can become a doctor so I can become a medical missionary? The mother put two hands on the little boy's shoulders. And he was like five or seven, if I remember my story well. But definitely less than 10. He said, you can become anything in life. Anything whatsoever. All we have to do is ask God for it. They ask God for it. But what became, at the point in time, in modern time, the most, the singularly most famous medical doctor for medicine. There are doctors that are famous for being Senate president. Are you getting my point? I'm talking about <laughs> for, for medicine. There are people in, who, who are very famous, but in medical circles. You get my point? But all over the world, he's one of the most famous I know in modern times. Everybody knows Ben Carson. 
when he was going to get a job in Johns Hopkins, they, called, they told him that, come and stay. That these white people, they will not let you become anything. They won't let you. They would not. That's what they told him. But God just moved him. He did not listen to them. At the age of 33, they made him the, the what they call in their own setting, the chief of pediatric neurosurgery. He was just 33. By their standards, that was a feat, and he was black. You go to their to the, to the faculty, you'll be the only black head you are seeing there. As a resident, they thought he was an oddly. But his mother had told him never to get angry when people discriminate against him. That is their ignorance. So he felt sorry for everybody for their ignorance. What am I talking about? The power of God to take care of your children. The mother said, you can become anything. Let's just ask God for it. They asked God for it. He's the only, at that now, he's the only black person in Donald Trump's um, what we call cabinet in Nigeria. I think he's the only, yeah, I think he's the only person. In Nigeria, we call them ministers. All right? He's the only minister in Donald Trump's um, cabinet. They call them secretaries in America. I think then it was secretary of housing. It's not a game of chance. It's a prayer that the mother prayed. The prayer he held on to. Pray for your children. You can't plan their future. The God that took care of you, suddenly you think you will retire because you are rich. Now, you think your wealth is a game of chance. And because the dice may not fall on your side again. Listen to me. The, the Lord has fallen for me in pleasant places. What's the next line? I have what? A goodly heritage. It's not a game of chance. He said, from there, God commanded the blessings. Blessings are commanded. I told the story of your father, no insultment, to let you know that if God could take you from that background and bring it to where you are right now, he's not going to retire when you retire. You and him are not working for the same company. Say, God, who retire first? Me, I'm retiring in the year 2035. When are you retiring? Because I don't know. Boko Haram is not letting me work. God said, yes, I noticed. So he said, this, he said ah, you know, you have me to go. He said, God, how, how you did? You get coronavirus. God said, I survived it too. Thank you. <laughs> he said, as your son, Jesus Christ. He's still in hospital. <laughs> That's how we, t- no, is that not how we treat him? That's how we treat him. He may fall sick and die. When my children are growing, his son is still in coma. He's, he's desaturated. That's how we behave. That's how we treat him. That's how we treat him. And we're making our plans. The God that took you, let me summarize what I'm saying. He took you and blessed you. You are the first stage. He has another blessing coming up. He has another blessing coming up. He has another blessing coming up for your children. He will make them greater than you. He will make them greater than you. Relax, relax. Don't set them up for, for, for an average life. You know, some plots we are making in life is for average. There's a sin I have seen on this earth. Many people that God blessed, they say, please, God, don't bless my children. They don't realize that's what they are saying. Because, because you, know, you, you must understand why God blesses people sometimes. Do you know? Oh, even Esau, when Isaac was praying for Esau, he made it clear that you will be a slave to your brother. He said, but the time will come, you will get tired. You will shake off the bondage. There are times God will just look at you. You may not even have faith the way we describe faith. Sometimes you pray, you don't even know when you pray. Sometimes you don't even pray like that, but in your detail, you just look and say, God, if you are there, help me. People think it's after you've done seven weeks of pray, fasting. If you are still fasting, you faint. Yeah, you know, you know, I've told you, I'm not normal. I've said it so many times. I don't, look, listen, no time to be popular again. Can you fast and you faint? 
God will listen to a dead body. I've told you before, if you want to fast, there's an easy way to fast. The one that God likes. The, now, the fast of God is your character. He said, before you go and fast, God said, come, come, come here. You see, they lie. If they look, woman will not be your own. He said, Lord, are they, small, are they stop small, small. He said, stop now. That's the fast I have chosen. So the last time I gave you 50,000, how do you take your palm? Only you work everything. Do you notice that I gave you diarrhea for three weeks after that? It's my way of letting you know I was not happy. So I'm sending another 50,000 by next week. This time around, share it. Remember those who don't have. Give a portion to one, give a portion to another. That's the fast I have chosen. And that guy who took your money last year, call him and tell him to forget about it. He's not a wicked person, he was just broke. Tell him to forget about it. Your neighbor that has been parking and blocking your entrance. You don't less than tired two times. The guy is saying, now. <laughs> The guy is saying, now, nail. It's not nail. I said, go and meet him, confess. I gave him to you to teach you patience. No, my wife will accuse me sometimes of being impatient. And I used to tell you that I'm not impatient. You're the one that has the problem. Then a few days ago, the Lord told me that you, you think you're normal. If I've given you a wife that's so perfect, he does not need you, need you to be patient. How will I remove your impatience from you? Yeah, I say, yeah. God, look, if you, listen, if God gave you perfect people around you, you, you would die sick. You won't know it. Spiritually. So God has put people around you, your neighbor will be grinding you. You will park his car. Drink last night. They'll be they'll bang and get the guys unconscious. <laughs> you can't, the car has blocked. It has blocked your way. Because I was working on you. Don't worry about the guy. There was a day I used him to deliver you from trouble. Yeah. You wanted to drive out. There were thieves at the junction. So you had to go out with Keke. All of this, I'm teaching you patience. So that's the fast I have chosen. Stop getting angry. So by the way, go and eat first so that we can continue this talk. You're almost unconscious. <laughs> the Lord is good. Listen, let me say it again. The fast of a believer. Now, that's the fast God chose. That's his primary fast. The one I've described is to keep on changing you to be a better person. But when we need to set this fast, it is not hunger. It is what? Seclusion. It is isolation. In which feasting becomes a distraction. That's why we don't indulge in food. In the same manner, we don't indulge in football. In the same manner, we don't indulge in chat groups. In the same manner, we're not on Facebook. Now, I want to say something about for practical purposes. Sometimes, you may be, it may happen that you go on extended days, you know, in seclusion. But other times, you really don't need that. You just do like Daniel. The one I give up as a practical tip all the time is, you just need to wake up early. You may not be able to take a leave from work, but you can sleep on time. Nine o'clock on your bed. Sleep. You wake up very early, 3.30, 4. You are awake. And just stop, stop talking to God all the time. What are you going to say for four days? Say what you want to say day one. I heard it that day. God doesn't take long to hear something. Before the words come out from your mouth, he has heard them. That first day, say it. Don't repeat it next day. Say, Lord, you know, yesterday I was telling you that uh, I needed something. I don't know whether you heard me that time. 
Because when was it that? Okay, I was busy. Say it again. No, it doesn't behave like that. I, I called you, your line was engaged. That's how, no, that's, then I could go, so in case you didn't hear yesterday, let me say it again. Because it, come on, forget it. I can hear seven billion of you side by side. Do you understand that? So what I'm going to say is, if, whatever, if something is burdening your mind, first day, say it. After that, all you are doing is studying, listening, studying the word, giving thanks, confessing the scriptures. The one my family and I, we started doing, you know, <laughs> we just take a particular portion of scripture. I tell the children, everybody, move. and med- We studied what it means to meditate. We studied that. What it means to meditate. Meditation does not mean to think. It's part of it, but it means to mutter. It's like a mystical practice. Christians must learn it. So I said, you open your mouth, say something, and put some physical activity with it to keep you alert. Sometimes when we are praying in the house, okay, everybody, Psalm 23, you have five minutes to meditate on Psalm 23. So you see, <laughs> if I like my son, bring out the most. He, he really does a rocking thing. That's how he does his own. He thinks he's not Islamic. <laughs> he copied that one from me. <laughs> Cross your leg if you have to, whatever it is. Just be rocking it. I say, okay, take one verse five times. So if you have five minutes for Psalm 23, you go, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You go to the next line. Take it like that. Take another psalm. The one we're doing that and Psalm 130, 131. And the children were supposed to memorize it. Memorize, of course, they you know 23, they know 121. I say 130, 131, 91, different portions of 191. You know, just meditate, you know. I call it meditation. That's all you need to do. That's what the fast is about. Study the scriptures. This is modern day. Roman rule. Technology is at our, our, our fingertips. Queue up a number of messages. When it starts playing stand-up so they don't fall asleep. Listen to it pacing up and down. Give the Lord thanks. By the time everybody else is waking up, you're done. And two hours, done. Three hours, done. You get ready. Eight o'clock, you're at work. Nobody knows you've done anything. That is how we fast. You know what I've described? You can do it for six months if necessary. But you can't, you can't, if you can't go hungry for too long. The people in the Bible that went hungry for days, they didn't do it in human strength. They did not try. In all of them, it was imposed upon them by God himself. I will know, know describe it. Moses did how many days? 80 days. Elijah did how many days? 40. And the Lord Jesus Christ did 40. And the Bible testifies clearly Jesus was not hungry. He said afterwards he became hungry. These are spiritual manifestations. You cannot do in the flesh what men did in the spirit. Don't enjoy yourself. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. What am I trying to say? I just went into all of that time to bring out an issue. Realize that God is not going to live. He's not going to die. He's not going to get tired. Learn to commit things into his hands. Learn to commit, you know, let your burdens, lay them before him. And he will take care of them. The Lord is good. I went into that. How did I get into it? We're just preaching, right? Now we take reach there. Let's continue preaching. So we're talking about salvation. What is salvation? There are so many things that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Let me just use this something to connect. So we're talking about the black, uh, black race being backwards um, worldwide. If you, if you rate races, 
in their advancement. Black people come to at the bottom all the time. There's no point pretending. I mean, it's a common thing. We know it. And there is a spiritual reason. So people now start laughing at the black people in the, the Africans. In fact, one guy said something the other day. He's talking about, you see, and somebody posted a video, all right? And he spoke very beautifully. Talking about the fact that slavery has just changed the form. And you may have heard me teach about that before. That slavery has changed its form. It hasn't stopped. There was a time they came to your neighborhood, kidnapped your people, your own people know, kidnapped the other people in the next village, took them to the shore in Cape Coast, in Ghana, and sold them. And they put them in chains and took them abroad. And, of course, that's very bad as slavery. Many people died in the process. But now, nobody comes to kidnap anybody, to sell anybody. You know what happens? We look for money, sell our father's land, then we'll, we'll travel to Kaino, according to one joker like this. That's Kano. From there, enter bus, reach Sahara Desert. From the Sahara Desert, he will cross, he cross. So he took a spin on this side. He look at Italy on this side. Anyway, he gets to Libya. From there, he pays. All of that cost them maybe up to, can I digress? Sometimes when you hear the amount of money people use to do some of these things, you're asking, say, you had this kind of money? You could raise this kind of money and you're not making money in the country? One boy I saw on Al Jazeera, that one really made me laugh. He was saying that what he wanted to do, what he wanted to do, you know, to do fashion and all of that. And he was there. Italians were now giving him a job just be sewing. I said, hey, I know place in Enugu where you go and sew and make money. In there to swim the Mediterranean Sea to be able to sew clothes. I said, why didn't he come to see me? What he's doing now? I have a few people in my mind who will do it for him. I'm not, he has not gone to Abao. I've not even counted, because I don't know people in Abba. I just know people in Enugu, Lagos. That will sit this guy down and show him how to join this thing and pay him. He doesn't have to drown. That's a form of slavery. So now people carry themselves and go into slavery. I still read the news this afternoon. A camp for immigrants, or migrants, I just be like that, that got burnt recently. And the people, so they are saying that they burnt them. They say it's a lie. It's the villagers around there that burnt it, that they are tired of them. This is in Europe. Yeah, Greece, a Greek island. They burnt the place. Now the people say they hardly see food to eat. Hardly. As for toilets, you think it's only Nigerians that appear on the road? These guys don't even know where to, they are bush in Europe. Do you know Europe, Europeans are They'll be surprised. What's going on here? What are they going to do? The camp had four times the number of people that are supposed to be there, and they now burnt to the ground. The migrants are insisting it was the locals that burnt it. Those ones say no, it's the migrants that burnt it. Migrants, why would we burn it? Now we are homeless, shelterless. They are sleeping in the open. When is winter coming? Huh? Next month. Ha! Ah, have you ever been in those winter places? A month to winter. Those of us who come from Nigeria, such times, eh? They're like, who sent me here? <laughs> Those guys are, they slavery. It's slavery. This time, nobody caught you as a slave. I mean, I saw one once, a, 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 a news report. I think it was a BBC report. And what they called the, is it, is it Italian wives or something they called them? Yes. And these are people in West Africa. What they by Italian wives? Their husbands have gone to Italy to look for work. They see their husbands like once in two years. Once in three years. And the one girl there was doing business. What is the aim? 
so that she can save enough money to help her husband and come and visit her. And what does he do? He works in factories and on farms in Italy. Can't save enough money to come home. Call it whatever you like, it's slavery. So you see, fighting slavery does not end slavery. Except you are liberated in your mind. That's the second place, actually, not the first place. You cannot be liberated in your mind except a spiritual liberation. Bob Marley will say, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. He now made a statement which is pure blasphemy. He said, none but ourselves can free our mind. It's a lie. That's reggae. I've seen that reggae, their hair is getting thicker and dirtier till today. <laughs> that philosophy has not helped anybody. Why? Because they have this philosophy. He said, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. That's the redemption song. Bob Marley's redemption song. He said, none but ourselves can free our mind. I said, it's a lie. You can't free out your mind. The man that I said was talking about slavery, how slavery has changed, which I agreed with. He said something that Africa needs to They tell you this, they tell you this. That's how they keep you in bondage. You're looking at him. He's a small boy. You know, when you reach my age, you know, and small, small boys are talking philosophy, you'll be shaking your head. You know, they have not seen anything yet. They need to rise up, rise up. When you rise up, end in the desert, what happens next? People rise up and dry up. You can't just get up and rise up. They say, you shake off the tyranny of the slave masters. I said, go to Haiti. You know how Haiti was founded? It was a slave colony. Plantations everywhere. Then one day the slaves had a meeting. You know what they did? They rioted and killed off all, killed off all, all the white slave owners and turned the place to their own. Is that not what they call liberation? As of today, they are the second poorest country on the earth. It's only because um, of crisis that some countries are struggling with them for poverty. Before, they, I'm telling you, Haiti poor no be small. Because when they finished emancipating, killing off the white people, the white people, of course, they left them alone. Then they went back into their witchcraft and their voodooism and all the idol worship. Because you don't understand. That is what they call real slavery. The American blacks did not kill off the white masters. They are faring better today than the ones that killed off the white masters. What am I going to say? Freedom is not in your hands. Let nobody lie to you. You can't free yourself. Only one more powerful than you can free you. The person that can free you must be one more powerful than you and more powerful than your oppressor. That is salvation. That is salvation. The young man who was talking that his philosophy ended with something. There's another form of of, uh, uh, slavery. Spiritual slavery is called religion. I'll talk about it another time. I burst into laughter. I burst into laughter. I said, foolish boy. If you see his face, you know his father has money. You know, there's some things that when you are rich, you'll be talking rubbish. You won't know because the English you learn from Harvard. I looked at him. I said, this boy doesn't know anything. He said, religion is a form of spiritual slavery. I shook my head. I said, this guy doesn't know anything. No. He doesn't understand that the only reason why black people are free today is that religion. We're in Ghana, Cape Coast, Went to the Cape Coast Castle and the Amina Castle. And the tour, the, the tour guide was showing us stuff. We were in the dungeon where they used to keep slaves. Terrible condition. Terrible. Oh, they treated those slaves very badly. I don't want to talk about it now. But the man now showed us that right above the dungeon, the roof of the dungeon was the floor of the chapel. 
He said, look, they were having services here. Where men were in bondage down here. What hypocrisy. I laughed. I didn't talk to him because he was doing his job. But I talked to people. I told my wife, she was, we went there together that day. I said, the, woman, the, the man did not notice. The guy did not notice. Or it overlooked his connection. That this place is currently, what? A tourist site. He didn't realize that the reason why it's not a tourist site is because of that chapel. The influence of that chapel made that place eventually become a tourist site. Please follow what I'm going to say here. That is salvation. Salvation is what ended your slavery. Salvation ended my slavery. Now, let me tell you something to you. It wasn't cheap. And that's why I'm going all of this in my talk. I've not even gotten close to what I want to say for today. Salvation is not cheap. There are so many things about spiritual things that we can't explain in a short while. But the truth is that that deliverance was not cheap. God is not stupid. You know that? No, do you know that? You know he's very wise. Let me put it like this. If there was another way to do it, Jesus would not have died. That's what I'm trying to explain. What did Jesus say? It's not in your Bible like that. Let this call pass over me if there's any other way. Say, nevertheless. The reason why Jesus died was because that was the only way. There was no other way to deliver you, no other way to deliver me. You see where I'm going in all of these things. You know, I said to my message today is what? Is it the the pursuit of salvation? Uh, Yes. Let me say to us clearly. I I want to use that slavery thing to introduce what I want to say. Jesus has paid for your deliverance. Say amen, no? There's no reason on this earth. There's no, there's what they call the lawful captives. Even that one will be set free. You know why they say lawful captive? That is, the person is lawfully held captive. So how do you set a lawful captive free? You have to pay. So even things that are supposed to be your problems legitimately, either because of your sin, people sell them into slavery, or because of the sin of your ancestors, your parents, which you connected with it from childhood, even those ones have been paid for. So there is no legal reason on this earth why you should have any kind of bondage. Do you know the reason? Jesus paid. That is a simple reason. Now what he paid is a lot. Expensive. It's a lot. It's huge. Why did I read Paul? You see what I'm trying to explain here. God did a marvelous thing in setting you and me free. I believe the Lord will give me the opportunity, the, 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 the privilege. I want to start to teach on the, the, the breaking the bondage of poverty. Poverty is a spirit. Poverty is not laziness. It's a spirit. If, if the spirit of poverty hooks somebody, he will gather, yet something will scatter it. People sometimes say, you need to be wise. You need to be smart. Listen, you know, I, I Solomon said, listen. You know, I told you I like the book of Solomon, uh, Ecclesiastes. Because Solomon said, look, I've seen all of these things, so. So I said the race is not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. Bread is not to the mighty. No favor to men of understanding. One man I was talking with me once, he worked, I mean, in, under, not directly, but you know, in a company established by a particular Nigerian. If I mention the name, you know. Very rich Nigerian, rich, rich man. You know, he said to me, he said, that man is not smart. He said to me, we're talking. He said, he's not an intelligent person. I've worked with him for a long time. He said, he's not smart. He said, most things you tell him, he really doesn't get it. And these are people that can write checks for like, okay, this project is 50 billion. They write a check for 50 billion. Not to the money. Money they made doing business. He said, I've worked for him. He's not smart. He said, the only thing I just know about him is that he's very daring. Yeah, this guy has hardly lost money, ever. 
Solomon has seen it before. He said, favor is not to men of understanding. <laughs> so when he tell you that as if you can struggle and break yourself out of poverty, it's not true. It only works if God has granted you favor. If God has granted you favor, you start hustling, it works. And people will now interpret the hustle as the reason why you made it. Remember the one they were saying the other day? That 20 million naira was invested by Jim Ovia in Zenith Bank a particular year. That she not Peter beat a house that same time with the same amount of money. Look at what Zenith is today. Where she not Peter's house. I laughed. I said Jim Ovia, I don't know whether that's the exact figure he invested. We know people just write a lot of rubbish. Sometimes things they don't know. Okay? But the truth is that whatever he invested, many more have invested such and they're in the Atlantic Ocean. Favor is not to men of understanding. When we look from above the sun, he said, it is the Lord thy God that giveth you what? Power to get wealth. But one thing I know for sure is that the power to break that poverty God has given to every believer in Christ Jesus. But Jesus paid an expensive price for it. I wanted to reopen a particular portion of the scriptures. Very important. The book of Hebrews. You see where I'm going? Please just stay with me. I'm about to ruffle your feathers. Stay with me. I'm about to make you uncomfortable. If you can't stand the heat, leave this kitchen now. I'm about to make you afraid. All this while we've been gisting, we have been playing. Oh, Gongoa saw something's about to happen. I'm telling you, I know what I'm telling you. Why are they laughing? Okay, is he a maintain? Have you sang that one? Nah, okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an expression you hear in Western Nigeria. He didn't invent it. I hope you know that. Uh, no, it's something we learned since we were children. I mean, something severe is going to happen. The Lord is good. Open the book of Hebrews chapter 2. You know, I said something in the beginning. Jew, Gentile, one are the same. Amen? If they are outside Christ, they are outside Christ. If they are in Christ, they are one. Do you get my point? That was not free. That partitioning, that wall of partitioning was broken at a price. You will see something if you read the book of Hebrews chapter 1. I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, so I just like to say Paul to make my life easier. Paul said something to us there. He said, God spoke long ago, ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and many ways. But in these last days, he has decided to speak, how? In his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Now, if you see, what Paul was doing through and through was to show, now listen to what I'm going to say carefully, that the, 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 the covenant in Christ is superior to that one that Moses had. Why? He said that was delivered through angels. Are you getting my point? You remember the parable Jesus told us? A man had a farm, you know, a vineyard. He gave it to people to keep. Once he sent his servant there, go and give me something. Get some of my portion. They beat the servant and sent him away. Send another servant. They beat that one and sent him away. Finally, what did he do one day? He sent who? His son. Then they took the son, beat him, and killed him. He said, this is the heir. If we kill this one, the very heir is ours permanently. So what did God do? He sent servants. He sent angels. And we had a covenant with Moses. But he said it did not work. So what did he now do? He now sent his only begotten son. And through him, you know what he did? He introduced a new covenant. This covenant means that I will remove from your heart the stony heart and put in it what? A heart of flesh. This new covenant means that every, listen to what I'm saying, every curse that kept the, we're talking about black race now, down, I paid for it so that they are now free. This covenant, 
okay, means that even though your beginning is small, your latter end can now greatly increase. Even though your, you know, the heritage of slavery was your portion. Now you are free. You are the slave master. You are on the same level. And if the master does not believe, he's not inferior to you. I hope you're getting my point. There's no Jew on Gentile. These are the things that Jesus came and achieved. Great expenditure. Hebrews chapter 2. He said, for this reason, what I've just explained, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unutterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. Verse 3 says what? How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Just stop reading here. We've been talking about a salvation since. For 17 weeks there about, we've talked about that salvation. As at now, number of hours we have spent speaking on that salvation is over 30 hours. He says it's a great salvation. There's one part of God we often miss. We think that if God gives you an offer, you decline it. You say, I just don't like it. You know, if a man comes to you, I want to marry you, a woman. Must you marry him? You don't have to marry him. Many men, women here who are married, many people wanted to marry you, did not agree. You finally married, and you are alive. You have children, you are well. Nothing has happened to you. Try that with God, he will kill you if you don't marry him. You know, we don't realize how God is. If he says, marry me, you say no. It's called disobedience. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That is, by the time Jesus comes to you and says, marry me, he has done everything, paid every price, prepared the home, has sacrificed his divinity. You know, so you look and say, I don't think I really like you. Just, you don't like me. I'm coming back. When I come back, you see what I look like when I've been rejected. He said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Let me show you the mind of God. Because many times we think that we just neglect his offer. We neglect the things he paid for and nothing will happen. I told you the kitchen is getting hot, right? I have come to let you know today, once you believe in Jesus, you have to believe totally. Listen, God went into Egypt. He delivered them. The deliverance was not free. You know who paid for the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt? Do you know who paid? I'll tell you, Jesus Christ. How do I know? That lamb that was sacrificed was a foretaste of his redemption. When they now left, they got to the edge of the promised land. They said they can't enter. He killed everybody. He said, listen, listen to me. You should have just gone to the camp of the Egyptians. I will have killed your first son. There will have been no problem. You took this. Listen, you have done despite to the sacrifice of Jesus. That's what God said. So everybody that said we can't enter, kill them. Moses said, no. God said, you don't understand. I'm killing everybody. Moses said, how, how can, how can, it's okay, no problem. I'll kill them over 40 years. They still died. You know, we look at the intercession of Moses. Very powerful intercessor. God said, no problem. I will kill them after 40 years. The only difference is that you two will now die in that process. Why? Because God said, I delivered you from Egypt. I showed you 10 plagues. Most of the plagues, the latter ones, I separated you from it. The last one that finally did, did, did not dealt the final blow to the Egyptians. I gave you the blood of Jesus to paint over your door. I redeemed your children. I delivered you through the Red Sea. Then you get to the edge of salvation and you say you can't enter. Why? You saw giants. Was I not the one that brought Egypt to its knees? Was I not the one that delivered you through the Red Sea? Was I not the one that brought you this far? So you know what he said to them? 
He said, you, have, you now went and ganged up and conspired against me. Therefore, all your carcasses will drop in the wilderness. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Let me just start warning you small, small. You know, this a lot of rubbish we preach Christianity. We call, in what we call Christianity. Don't ask for divine judgment. One day we were at church somewhere. Somebody said that, okay, you will, you will, you will, you will redeem your firstborn. You redeem your children. So then see my wife, so you see, somebody don't go carry the children from where they were. They carry them come for redemption. The way she rushed them. Come on, give me my children. What nonsense redemption. The one Jesus is not paid for. They not pay for. When you want to raise money, find another more righteous way to raise money. This is the easiest way to raise money. Bring a pan. It's more righteous. How shall we escape if we neglect so great the salvation? People come to you and say they see death around you and you are praying. Are you stupid? That's how to die quickly. They say witches are in the village, they are after you and you are praying. What has gone wrong with your mind? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? I will say something that will make you laugh. A man wants to marry you. I'm not saying you can't marry everybody. I mean, it's not Jesus Christ, is it? You look at him and say, how much money does he have? You will be punished. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? There are certain statements you don't make concerning children of God. Or you want to die quicker? Say, who's his father self? God say, hey, I don't exist. Listen. Let me tell you something. Eh? There, are people, there are times you go to your father and want to marry somebody. He doesn't like the person because he says he doesn't... Who's his father? You know, like his father is nobody. And you're a girl. I'll tell you some things about salvation. Salvation is not a bed of roses. I wanted to teach about the Lord didn't let us get there. We'll get there later. It's a call to warfare. There are times you will tell your father, I'm sorry. He says, from an, what did they say in the East? There's more rubbish in the East. Osu, Osu. Listen. Oh, God. I don't want to talk. If you observe that thing, God will so destroy you, you wouldn't believe it. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? This salvation is not convenient. You think salvation will make you equal to the white man, but it cannot make you so equal to you, you they craze for head? You either take Jesus or you don't take him. Once you take him, the also in your village is your brother. And God will demand you give his daughter, your daughter to his son. Otherwise, he ends the prosperity of your lineage. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You see Christians fighting over this one as an Anglican. This one says we can't marry. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? He said there is one body. Do you know why people die? Paul said because they do not rightfully descend the body of Christ. He said for this cause many of you are sick and many sleep. Because they do not rightfully descend the body. Let me tell you another thing. Be careful where you go looking for prosperity. Because if you say to God, he is geographically bound when it comes to prospering his children. How shall ye escape if you neglect so great a salvation? See, this Jesus said, you didn't have to believe in him. Not told you something the other day. Once you believe in Christ, just die there. When they baptize you, say, don't leave me at the bottom of the water. It is a better place to stay if you don't want to walk with him. Because once they bring you out of that water, once you leave that altar after giving your life to Christ, you have come into what they call the newness of life. Paul said, it's worth it. I counted all these things as dung, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection. I want to experience 
that thing he died for. Rabbi Zachariah said the problem with Christianity, I don't know whether he's one that said he was quoting somebody, is that people have not tested the power to the limits. I don't know whether you're getting my point. They haven't tested it. They have not tested it. They have not tested it. How shall we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation. This bless me, bless me gospel is not what we are talking about. We are talking about commitment to salvation. Commitment to Christ. Commitment to what he died for. Commitment to the price that he paid. He said, how shall we escape? Listen, those people took his deliverance. They were chopping Passover. They didn't say no meat. <laughs> Next time they want to serve communion. If you don't want to serve Jesus Christ, run. If you don't, he said this body was broken for you. When you eat it, <laughs> you have eaten trouble. This is the new covenant in my blood. You drink it, I have bought your soul. Once you swallow that bread and drink that wine, you don't belong to yourself again. That is why Boko Haram will put a knife to your neck. Say, cut it quick. When they see the resolve in your face, it is forbidden. Even if you are afraid, don't shake it on your face. You are disgracing Jesus Christ. An Islamist puts a knife to your head, to your neck. Say, I will cut it. Say, what are you waiting for? You say to him, the power to kill me or keep me alive is not in your hands. If that knife touches me and it goes in and I bleed and I die, it is because Jesus said it is time to come home. I wouldn't be the first. Go and see my senior brother Stephen. But I will not be afraid of you. And let me let you know, if my blood, even if I don't die, if a drop of my blood drops, your commander will give his life to Christ. You, you that want to kill, you will serve Jesus. Don't tell him to die. Die. What is the big deal about dying? He's not afraid of dying. His mates put bomb on their bodies and they blow it to pieces. Blow themselves to pieces. But let him know, this Jesus, you will bow to him. Your father will bow to him. Your mother will bow to him. Your commander will bow to him. Your children will bow to him. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? When you eat the communion, when you eat the bread and drink the blood, oh boy, oh girl, you are done for. You have been bought. The life is not your own again. And you will not escape if you neglect that salvation. God doesn't give people the offers and you say that, I don't like him. Well, no, but Jude was in my house yesterday. He said he wanted to marry. Ah, I don't like him. You know, he's a nice brother, but that is for Brother Judo. You can do it for Brother Banky too. Not this one, no. this one has been taken. The other Bankies that are coming. But once you see Jesus Christ, whether you like him or not, marry him. Because before he got to your doorsteps, he had crossed many rivers. Deserts. His blood had been shed. If you look at his back, it is not poverty. It is suffering for your sin that you are seeing on his back. If you look at his hands, the holes, you know, they are not holes of malnutrition. It's the one in which they pierced him for your freedom. When he says, marry me, marry him. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. And you, prospective bride, perish out of the way. I hope you are getting my point. Kiss the son, he says, lest he be angry. Listen, Jesus Christ cannot be rejected. The offerings, the, listen to me, his blessings cannot be rejected. You know what I say all the time to people? I say, don't touch that scripture. The one I used to illustrate the most is when they say, children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. And blessed is the man who has a quiver full of them. I say, listen, you don't have to have 50 children. No, that's not what I'm saying. But don't touch the scripture. Don't explain it away that in the days... Mm, 
You say, in today's economy, who can raise many children? You are insulting the Lord when you say that. How do you escape if you neglect so great a salvation? Let's read a few parables of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 14, from verse 16. I want to read something. But let's just read all of them. Let's start from that Luke chapter, chapter 14. Let me tell you something there. I said to you before, faith has what? Sacrifices. There are things you will do in your life. It's just because you say, God, I just want to prove you. I mean, like, they say that save all for the future of your children. They say, Pastor Banker, I say that it's not necessary. Tell everybody that's harassing you. I'm not doing it because <laughs> I will listen to Pastor Devon. He said, there are things you should do because you are afraid. He said, it's good. <laughs> that is, that the Bible says that Noah built the ark because of fear. He said, fear, fear is good for you. <laughs> there are things you will say, say, why are you not laying up treasure for the fear of your children? He said, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of disobeying God. But what if your children suffer? I said, they can't kill me. Let them suffer. I don't know what I hear what I say. Say, I'm afraid of God more than I'm afraid of them. I'm afraid of what people will say. I'm more afraid of God than being afraid of what people will say. He says, so I'm taking a risk with my life, I know. What if I die in the process? It's not a problem. Help me write on my grave. This man took a risk with his life for God, and now he's dead. To God be the glory. Leave it like that. He took a risk for God with his life, now he's dead. Leave it like that. Listen to me. When you want to obey Christ, stop thinking of what you will get. I want to introduce it to you again. It's not new. Think of, use fear to obey him. Say, if I obey, what will happen? Say, if I disobey, what will happen? Instead of saying that, when I obey, what will I get? Say, if I disobey, I don't know what I'm going to get. Leave it. Take a risk with your life for his sake. You know, that's why I said this gospel of, uh, what is it producing for me? Forget it all. Tell yourself, if I obey God and poor, at least, let me, ple- make, let me just be sure I'm pleasing to him. Because in trying to save your life, you know what you end up doing? You lose it. It is those who are careless with their lives that end up finding it. And careless, in quotes now, is for his sake. They are careless for his sake. I remember then I said, a friend of mine came to me many years ago now, of course. So I'm telling you, it was before I got married, at least nothing less than two years before I got married. So it's about 23 years ago. Three was going abroad. And I keep on saying, you know, I say that anytime I say it, I like people to understand. Nothing wrong with going abroad. The issue is what? Why? What are you looking for? What is your motivation? That is the discussion. It is not where you are going. What is pushing you? What is your spirit? That's what we're saying. So I asked him simply, because you see, since I was in university, I don't know how I knew, but I knew it. Well, one of the ways I knew was that the anointing to preach, to teach, the way I do now, it came upon me. I, it, didn't, it wasn't dramatic. I just noticed it around um, my final year in university, all right? Uh, the first semester, there was the latter part of my fifth year and the first part of my final year in university. That's how the anointing came upon me. So from time, I knew I was going to preach the gospel. I didn't have any doubt in my mind. I never for a moment doubted it. When I was doing my NYC, um, my house job, I worked in a church where I did a lot of Bible study preparation. That was the main thing I did for the church at that time. The anointing has been burning in me for a very, very long time. So all decisions I made, I was making with that in my mind. It was in the back of my mind all the time that you are going to preach. Initially, I thought 
I was one of those pastor a church. You know, the way the, the normal church we, we pastor. I even chose a name for it. I won't tell you the name. And <laughs> some of my brethren used to call me the pastor of that particular church, you know, those days. I even chose a city where it's going to be situated. And nobody didn't cross my mind. Don't worry about it. It didn't cross my mind at all. Okay? But I just had that, those thoughts. Then I had that dream I told you guys about. It was that during NYC, I wrote some notes down, which I still operate with. It was one of the things I knew had to be an independent, what they call an independent ministry. It was I, the Holy Spirit said that one to me clearly. And I didn't know why. It was later on, and I realized why. And then the old prophets can kill people. Yeah, yeah, you know, I won't kill you, but, you know, but, and I won't kill you too. But I'll try my best to make sure that you are not killable. <laughs> you understand? So, old prophets, I, you know, there's a reason. When people are trying to build, if God calls you specially, be careful that you don't donate your gift to build somebody's empire. You have to build the, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. He said, my brother's made me keep their vineyards. My own vineyard, I have not kept. Be careful you keep your vineyard. Many people are pastoring branches, keeping somebody else's vineyard. And Jesus is going to come one day and say, the vineyard I gave you, you have not kept it. There are people who are pastoring vineyards right now. God said, your vineyard is in the business world. It's not in this church. I'm telling you. There are those that God said, no, your vineyard is somewhere else. So I bought those things in mind. All right? So it, it, it guided my decisions, things I, I, I did, how I made my choice, how I chose to suffer, because there was a time I told you my income dropped by 65%. From earning 15,000 naira a month, it dropped to 6,000. By deliberate choice. It was not turning, not, it wasn't imposed upon me. I had a night job that paid more than my normal job. Okay? But that meant that I could only go to church two times in a month. Because I worked weekends. And it was a private clinic, so I covered the clinic weekends, and I did. I slept there at night to keep uh, take care of emergencies for them. So I found that I could only go to church two Sundays in a month, because every midweek service time I'm at work, because my normal work will finish. You understand? Then in the evening I go. So if I finish my normal work by five o'clock, I have to take a small, you know, break and then get back to work by eight p.m. So there was no time to go to church. This was Lagos. So I realized that, oh boy, you, could, you can't go on like this. And those guys were paying me more than my basic work. The normal work was paying 6,000 naira of those days, not today's 6,000 naira, but it wasn't fantastic anyway. And then the other one was paying nine. So one day I just went to work and I dropped my resignation letter. Everybody thought I was crazy. One of my friends, I told him, I said, people think I'm crazy because of what I did. He said, yes, I'm one of those people that think you are crazy. He told me straight to my face. You couldn't believe, how do you drop from any 15,000 a month to any 6,000? After I did, don't think I never felt bad about it. When you broke, you go broke. Broken is broken. <laughs> Sometimes you'll be so broke, you will break. I'm telling you. I was perpetually broke. Ask my wife, when, she, when, we, when we first started a relationship and when we were planning to get married, she used to call me, there was a particular period, to call whether I've eaten. No, it wasn't a joke. Not joke broker. Literally, we call. Have you eaten? And I say, why are you asking? Answer me. And I refuse to answer because the answer is no. <laughs> One day she said that, okay, that she'll go to the park, that she'll send me money. My mind, you go to the park, get money. I won't marry you, you send me money. I'm not married. Leave me. I don't want your money. <laughs> I refuse. I mean, go to the park. I want to marry a woman. You won't send me money. It really happened. I'm not joking. I didn't used to go anywhere. But why would you go somewhere? Do you know how much the transport, transport bus will collect from you? 
I told my friends, listen. <laughs> I told my friends, listen, if you are looking for me, there are three places. I said, once you are sure I didn't travel, don't worry, I can never be missing. Kidnapper couldn't even kidnap me. There's nowhere I'm going. I told them, if you are looking for me, three places you, you look for me. You go to my apartment. If I'm not there, go to my department. If I'm not there, go to church. I said, guaranteed you will find me. When the pastor had now arrived, he got to my apartment. I was not there. So he said, let me go to your department. It was night. So he got to my department. I work in pathology. So it was night. So he looked around. He didn't see anybody. Of course, everybody had closed. But I was so sure if I'm not in my apartment, I will be in my department. Or I've gone to church. So he got there. He looked and I didn't see anybody. Everybody was kind of quiet. And I work in pathology, which means that the, the, the morgue is part of our department. So he, he got to a place, saw resting chambers. So he thought this is where the doctors rest. He opened the door. <laughs> Those who are laughing, they know what it means. When you go to the hospital, you see resting chambers. His corpses are resting there, not in one. Anybody? It's a quite a big complex. He, he moved around. He didn't see anybody. Well, it was night. <laughs> he threw the door open and walked in. Ah, oh boy! <laughs> so finally, he came back. So he decided that maybe I went to church. I think he now waited outside. Next thing I showed up because didn't I was I was just beating somebody just down our corridor. You understand? So I now came out. But he was right. He remembered. That I said I went to only three places, and it wasn't a joke. How could I go where? Why? For what? <laughs> I used to go to church. Church was where I spent most of. I mean, if I'm not there, in a church I go. The Lord is good. Now the point I'm making: Why did I do that? That's the point. Why? Because I just felt that if I said that if you're going to be a minister, it doesn't make any sense that you are going to church twice a month. Just by the way, just another story. Remember that dream I told you I had when, um, and I knew that the Lord said that this ministry must be independent and all of that. Okay, fine. So the church I went to, and I said to join them properly. The first day, I decided to join that church. Do you know what I found? I keep on saying two angels. They must have been two because I didn't see anybody. But they bundled me out of the place. Yeah, that's the summary. Didn't see any human hand, anything. But they threw something over my face and I couldn't breathe. But if I tried to breathe, I felt I was breathing. But once I stopped exerting effort, it's as if I'm drowning. But I managed to endure the service. I ran out of the place. And I looked, I just got out of the building and I looked back. And something in me said, don't let me see you here again. I said, thank you. I left the church. The Lord is good. Now, so that's how my life was. My friend now came to me one day, said I was going abroad. And I asked him why. And he explained the financial difficulties that the family I mean, it wasn't strange. All of us, were, I mean, we're from the same home, kind of. And like, our parents are friends, you understand? We're in the same church, you know, the same background, everything. Just the same kind. In fact, he, he had a family that the children were the same age as ours also, you know? First born, first born, second born. He and I were the same age. So, when he finished explaining to me what the issue was, I won't lie to you. When he left, I started crying. I cried and cried and cried because I just realized something that all my thinking all my life I've been concerned about this call of God upon my life the purpose of God upon my life I had never really thought 
about family, people who probably would depend on me and stuff like that. This guy just exposed my wickedness to me. I cried that night too. And if God wants to console you, about God, I don't mean any insult, I just want to explain it. I mean, I mean Jeremiah said something like that about you. God can appear very wicked. A man came to Jesus Christ, said, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said that. He said, let the dead bury their dead. That was the consolation. He didn't console him. He said, let me go and tell my people bye-bye. He said, whoever wants to, who puts his hand on the plan, looks by, it's not worthy of the kingdom. That's what Jesus said. You know what he said to me? That one, I don't, you know, I don't say things like that often. But I can tell you he did. He said, except a man hates his father, mother, family, brother, sister, he can't be my disciple. That was the only consolation I got to. There was nothing like, it shall be well, I shall prosper you even in Nigeria, even if you are still and you obey me, don't worry. No. He said, except you hate your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters, you can't be my disciple. As nice as my friend's counsel sounded, Jesus disapproved of it flat. He said, this is, now I'm adding new words now. He said, this is Peter's counsel. Nothing bad will happen to you. You should have told your friend, get behind me, Satan. You are, Oswald Chambers said, the cost of salvation is not on you. It's on the people that you love. It's on your father training you up, knowing that one day you will go to America, make money and send to the family. Then you, you foolishly come and listen to one, one black pastor, Banky. Even if she's talking to you, tell your father you're not going anywhere again. And he said, you are the only hope we had. He said, but daddy, I'm not your own. I belong to the person who gave you and me life. You know what about cause of salvation? The young man who said all his life been trained to be a reverend father. If you are from this area, you know what that means to the family. The year he's supposed to graduate, he said, the Holy Spirit said, leave. You are not finishing this business. He came to me here that day. He said, what will I live to? And I did like Jesus Christ. I said, I don't know. But live, you must, if that's what the Holy Spirit is telling you. No guarantees, I'm sorry. Will you be rich? No. Rich is not the aim. Rich is not the aim. Salvation has a cost. It costs you. It will tell you, you can't marry the man you love so much. Who has spent money on you, trained you through school. It's very annoying. One day Jesus will say, oh, my girl, you're not marrying him. He has been so good to our family. He helped my sisters. Jesus says, sorry, baby girl, you ain't marry him. If you marry him, you're on your own. Hey, God, no. Remember our brother that came that day? Took the book, Don't Quit the Army. Just got a job. It was in First Bank. He was supposed to have resumed. He was supposed to go and collect his posting letter. Then he stopped by in Kingdom World Office and picked the book. And he read just the back. And he never went back to the bank. He went back to his secondary school and the chat to be teaching. Oh, you think salvation is that? I began to declare. I saw the job coming right now. And I said, I'm going to be paying me 1.5 million every month. Amen. I began to see it. Do you know what? They started me 1.7. That is what has confused you. You think that is Christianity? Faith makes you walk away from things. We end up teaching a faith that makes it appear as if the only thing we do is to collect. No. Faith makes you walk away. By faith, you just walk away. Say, I'm not doing. Why? God said no. A conviction in my spirit says no. How shall we escape if we neglect so great the salvation? Let me tell you what the call that God has given every Christian now. Say, I want people who will dig in. They will pull out the power that Jesus died for. That's what they call the power of his resurrection, which comes from the fellowship of his sufferings. The problem is that people are not ready to take part in that fellowship of his sufferings. They want that power of his resurrection. 
But actually, they don't want it. They actually don't want it. They don't want it. What they just want is bless me, bless me. Once I have money, I can buy a car, have a house. That's all. I don't care whether you have a plan or purpose for my life. I don't care whether there's a healing power that pains the heart of God every day that nobody's using. Children are born with problems. People are dying of cancer every day. And many of them, God doesn't want them to die. He said, but there's no healer. There's no bomb in Gilead right now. There's no healer in Zion. There's nothing. Everybody has run to go and look for how to settle himself. For some people, he said, they will build houses. I will break them. Churches will collapse. I don't care how much you spent on it. You get the best structural engineers in town to build the churches. I will collapse them. On Monday morning, when everybody's uh, Sunday is busy for you guys. I don't want to kill anybody. But I'm going to let you know, all flesh is grass. Monday, everybody's on leave. The thing will collapse. You will not see rain. You will not see sun. But I'll pull the building down. Why? Because there are things that you guys have gotten your hands into that have denied me the ability to manifest my power. Who cares about the size of your cathedral? There are young men, young women who are pastoring churches. God says, leave it. Go to the streets and go and preach. I'll give you a small job to do in the evening to get some money. But you don't have to be called Papa. There are young people who are going to ministry. That's their aim. One day when it's in my bed, everybody gather money and buy me a Lamborghini. They grow the church, grow the church so that one day they can rest and enjoy. And so God said, the day you rest, you will rest. The day that rest starts, that's it, you're done. You will understand why Paul said, I have to put my body under. Lest after preaching to others, myself, I will be cast aside. You know what Jesus said? He said, from the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God is preached. And every man is pressing into it. He said, the kingdom of God suffers violence. I, 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 I would like to read that one. And he said, the violent take it by force. Let's read Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Listen to this salvation that we are talking about. We have, talked, we have spoken nice, nice words. God is saying, now you have heard the nice words. Now I want to take your life and use it to pull out the power of that salvation for the world to see. Do you know, for God, it was a personal insult. When Israel said, we can't enter the promised land. He said, what nonsense? Who's insulting me here? You know what's a personal insult? He said, these people have ganged up against me. Those who brought the negative report, he killed them on the spot. This gospel that lets you, gives the impression that, uh, 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 it gives the impression that once Jesus Christ came and then God doesn't do such a name. Don't, don't, don't believe a lie. Don't believe that lie. That same God is still like that till today. He has always been a merciful God. I spent to us the other time. He has always been merciful. But he also has always taken something serious. He guards his name jealously. If you want to insult him, tell him his word is not true. Be quoting the statistics of the world to prove his scripture wrong. When he says a blessing to have a quiverful, quote WHO for him. Quote IMF. Quote World Bank. Then you know you are looking for trouble. Because he has exalted his word above his name. What excited him about Abraham was that he told Abraham, in Isaac will your seed be. He now said to Abraham, go and kill Isaac. Abraham said that, ah, if he said in Isaac will my seed be, and clearly he gave me the commandment to kill Isaac, it must be that he wants to raise Isaac from the dead. Ah, it wasn't a sacrifice of I give you something. No, it's an obedient word, a word of obedience. So God said, you mean you trust my word this much? Abraham said, you trained me like this for the last 65 years. It was 65 years in training. Yet you are ready to do this because I promised? He said, yes. He said, therefore, by myself I have sworn. In blessing, I will bless you. I will make your name great. <laughs> you know what God means? When he says, by myself have I sworn? If what I'm saying does not happen, I died. 
I stopped being God. Why did he do that kind of thing? Because Abraham trusted his word. That's what I said to you earlier. Don't let anybody deceive you. And say, which is pressing you. Tell them I'm going to sleep. Let them come. And I want to go and sleep. He said, witches, wizards, Ogbanji, mommy water. I'm about to sleep. Let's meet. Just tell them like that. Let us meet now. She'll be the depressed people. They'll be praying. Every power. Fighting my destiny. Can, can you fight my destiny? Did Jesus didn't die for me. See, ancestral causes in my life. Listen, except I told you before. If somebody comes to me and says, say, I did see death around you. I will listen to you for five seconds. I'll quickly check my heart. Thank you. Whose wife are you taking? Which woman are you pursuing? Which money are you mingling anyhow? I check those things rapidly. And I say, Lord, see my heart too. The police doesn't say anything. Tell the guy, thank you very much. I, you saw death around me. I killed mosquito. <laughs> then I die. It's true. If you think you will keep me up awake at night, am I begging for divine judgment? Look at all this one. The dollar, the dollar. One word that God made clear to me. Do you know? The kind of thing that God is the other day I told my wife. They said they want to increase the Nepal tariff. You understand? I went and bought huge credit. My meter burnt. Because that's the way you like it. Oh, I've not told you guys that one before. If you see what I suffer for that thing. I told my wife for her school to buy plenty of credit. She bought. The meters are draining overnight. Till now, we can't find the reason. I have talked to all the engineers I know. I told my wife I learned the lesson. If you tell me that fall is going to be one million naira a liter tomorrow, I'm going to sleep. God forbids me from being afraid of it. All I did was buy credit. They removed my meter now. I'm back unestimated. You think he's joking? Every health food I've ever attempted has made me sick. It got the egg. I ate got the egg. I broke into a rash. I stopped. I had to tell the Lord I'm sorry. Now it got the egg because it's food. One day I took honey. I wanted to put honey in my food. I, I said, Lord, please, can I just explain? It's the taste. It has this syrupy taste. It's not because of health. I'm not kidding. I was about to pour it. I paused. I said, Lord, please, can I just say something to you? This honey, I like the taste. When I put it in my this thing, there's this milky, syrupy taste it gives. It's not because it's healthy. Holy Spirit said, go ahead, drink your honey. Because if I drink honey because it's healthy, if I look for he- I don't do medical checkup, in case you don't know. Can't date. I, I want to live long. I don't want to offend somebody. So yeah, this particular idea, check your heart. God said, I will stab it. Listen, if I drop dead today, I have no regrets. You think he's kidding? They say, when you're at this particular age, go and be checking this. I say, bros, ain't checking nothing. What if you fall sick? The worst is that I will die. Those who check died. You think, you know, we, we preach a gospel that it makes God look like a tool. What do you want? You want a car. So a spare tire. The, the, the mindless computer will multiply it to a car. You don't know the same God. We say, what are you doing with a car? If you buy it, I burn it. I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Trek, my friend. But have some money. You know they go to church? Offering basket, did they? Half in the offering basket. Motherless baby's home, the other half. But I saved it for two years. Now you will not save it again. I said you put somewhere, right? Matthew 11. Yeah, I told you before. I said, go and go outside. Did that not tell you? See, if you can't start the heat, run. This kitchen is getting hot. But you know what God is looking for? Let me tell you something, Apostle. Peter will walk past 
The aura around him will heal the sick. They didn't touch him. In the time of Jesus Christ, you needed to touch the hem of his garment. Or he speaks a word to you. Peter will not, will not know you are there and you will be getting healed. The kind of thing Jesus did not do. You don't get the point. He's just coming for Bible study. He's just walking past. See that my shadow? People say, okay, that is where the shadow is going to be. They put the sick there. And Peter just walking by here and James and say that, okay, you are preaching first. Okay. All right. When you finish, please, there's a word I have for the people. And they are walking past. People are getting up, taking their beds and going home. Anybody fall sick amongst us now? Who knows the cardiology? Is that not the first thing we say? We can't even join hands to pray and ask God for anything. The reason is because faith demands sacrifices which we have not been given. The only sacrifice we know is because of our, you know, our glutinous, you know, senior brothers. Let me leave it like that. We pastors. That we have taught Christians that the only sacrifice available is what? Money. It just, and meanwhile, it is only our way of raising funds. There is no... Listen, I told you my name is Jeremiah. So, I'm not even afraid. There is no other reason we preach those things more than to raise money. It's not because we believe them. I talk to these men. They tell them, if they don't that, how would they get money? These are the kind of things they tell you. Meanwhile, the church has followed in lie to think all there is to sacrifice is money. If you are believing God for something, what would you do for him? He said, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. But it's a sacrifice of faith. You walk away from things. Your friend said, let's go and get another degree so we can get a better job. He said, God said, no, the one I've read is enough. There's a scholarship here. Ah, one of our brothers, his friends said, ah, see, all company work, all company work. He told me, he said, please, sir, let me tell my friends that I'm okay where I am. Meanwhile, if you took those jobs, his salary will go up nine, that is, ten times. Okay, maybe not ten. Five, six times to start. He said, I feel like I've been located where I'm supposed to be. It's not about money. Don't think next day now began to have a lot of money. No. Just say, look, I think God has called me to assist this person. And we're working. He's paying. The money may not be heaven and all of that. But I just believe that this is where God wants me to be in this season. Why do we want all our inheritance now? That's not a prodigal spirit. Do you know eyes have not seen? Ears have not heard? It has not yet entered the heart of man what God has planned for those who love him. You think you know what God wants to do with your life? Tell my wife, just understand that, listen, your life is a mission. Just be doing your mission on a daily basis. Anything you want to do, don't think this is a source of money. It's my mission. If you can't find mission, you need to forget it. I'm a preacher. When I do things because of money, I told you one day, <laughs> I must remember this story. <laughs> one day, one brother said that, ah, I should, he wanted to buy CDs. You understand? This was long, long ago. I felt very happy to make small money. I go produce CDs. Pastor Banky's message is, oh, let me preach more. It's not as if I want to collect somebody's messages on me. I preached it, made the CDs and sold to him. A pack, 100, 100, 5,000 naira. He gave it to me. I was so happy. Ha! Huh? Like, yeah! One more, see money. And that money, the way that money disappeared, I can't explain it. I didn't go in, I could trace everywhere I went. There was no place it could have dropped. I never saw it again. I'm not talking about one naira, miss from it. The whole, he gave me an envelope. I checked it was complete. 510 pieces. So years ago. You know what I heard? Banky, I didn't send you to preach for money. The only place I went, that it was post office. I went, I looked. Where did that? The money disappeared. These angels are very funny. They've taken my things like that a number of times. Not everything I can be recorded because we are streaming. They are just I can't give you. Because we will misunderstand them. There's what they call the sacrifice of faith. God will look at Isaac and say, drop him. 
He said, but Lord, I walked with you for 25 years. Isaac was 40 years old, 30 or 40 years old that time. God said, drop him. For you to walk closer with God, he takes things from you. He said, Abraham, leave your father's house. Abraham had to leave. He left with Lot. You're not ready yet. He stripped Lot from, from Abraham. Then Abraham said, at least this one now will help us. They'll give it to um, um, Ishmael. One day God said, let Ishmael go. Ah, what is going on here? You are taking everything I have. God said, that's the way it's going to be. So right, your promise is Isaac. At least thank God for Isaac. One day God came and said, hey, okay, one more thing. What? Isaac. Ah, ah, Isaac, no. He, Isaac, well, say yes, that's what I want. That's the sacrifice I want. You know, I said something at that time. The Bible says there's what they call the book of remembrance. There's a memorial. I see pastors start, sometimes they start say, doing something. You know, it makes me laugh. I say, pastors, we say, you need to build an altar, a memorial to God. You have now build a church. It's a lie. Why do we lie to the people of God? You pray for church pew. You pray for with this thing to build a memorial. Nonsense. Let me tell you what we call memorial. God looked at Abraham. He said, your wife is right. Ishmael has to go. It wasn't like, uh, give me something. Throw him away. Ah, Abraham had prayed. What that Ishmael will leave before you? Because don't worry, I will bless him. But I don't want him in your life. Ishmael left. He went to war. Won battles. God said, don't touch anything. I will give you victory, but don't come home with any part of that money. So otherwise they are going to disgrace my name. They will strip from my, they will contaminate my gold. My glory people will not understand. So King of Sodom came. Ah, Abraham said, hey, hey, please excuse me. Two things. I gave Melchizedek from it. My people have their own portion because they went to war. Say, as for me, I'm going home. I came to rescue my brother. I'm fine. Say, I have sworn I will not take even the rope to tie shoe from you. Lest you say, I made Abraham rich. There are things you do. I told you, my friend Pastor Corey, they said there's crisis, there's crisis. They said send your wife and children down. He said you don't understand. I pastor a church where there are many wives and many children. There are many wives there. What do you want me to do to the other wives and children? So he put his own life at stake. And not just his own. You can imagine the tension he put his extended family through. They said this guy will not listen. When people like that get on their knees to pray, I want to say something to you. If any head of state that will not cooperate will die. Head of states. You know what the Bible says? He rebuked kings for their sake. Saying, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. I thought you should open somewhere, right? Let's read this so we can go. That's Luke chapter. Okay. Matthew 11. Okay. Matthew 11. Uh, uh, let me read verse, um, around verse 12. Let me just see which verse I'll pick from. Okay, let me, because of time, let me read that verse 12. He said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. Please, will you permit me a moment? Let me read it from the Amplified Bible. He said, from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, Said the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Did you hear that? 
that you want a portion of heaven's kingdom to come on this earth. You seek it with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Sometimes I tell people that they say, Nigeria, I say, listen, don't let's say things that will make God angry. God gets angry. He delivered the people from Egypt with the ten plagues. Took them to the Red Sea. Then they got to the edge of the promised land and they said to him, we are not able. He killed people for it. I was telling my wife the other day we were in the house, we were just reasoning. I said, people say country is bad, country is bad. I said, I laugh. I said, there are people that can't talk. I said, I'm one of them. Because God has helped me to see what sacrifices people have made to preach this gospel. People have walked away from lucrative jobs to preach this gospel. People have left beautiful countries to difficult places to preach this gospel. The gospel cost John G. Lake his wife. She died of poverty. A man who in today's term would have been worth nothing less than $50 million. Yet they say his wife died of hunger. I said to my wife, so all I need to endure I mean, our hall is even air-conditioned. I drive here. I have my personal car. Sometimes, because ministry car, we have a ministry car, I drive it sometimes. Both cars air-conditioned. Every time we are going for mission work, which day did we ever go in a car that's not air-conditioned? Never. I don't drive. These other men that work with me are the ones driving. All I come here to do is talk, 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 talk. They are there behind, cooking up things, make sure things are streaming on, online and all of that. After that, I go home. They come and give me the package message later. Then I will now open. Oh, God. My house has seven bedrooms. My children literally play football inside the house. Literally. They can have a team of ten playing inside my compound. Then I will not complain. That because I don't get 24 hours power. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Let me, let me, let me not even talk about Pastor Banky of today. Because you'll be like, hey, you're comfortable. Those days I said we were hungry, at least we had a house to stay. At least we had clothes. At least we had food to eat. There are those who preach this gospel. If, we, if I really believe their words. I know what they suffered. That's why I asked my wife. She has known me now for 22 years. She has never heard me complain. One day she said something. It sounded like a joke. I told her, I said, my baby, you need a lesson in Thanksgiving. It was a small thing, but she knows. I didn't, I didn't find it funny. You know, there are times you just go out of supplies in the house. She wanted to have a bath. She said, Kai, soap has finished. Now, my wife is a type. She buys, you know, things in bulk. One day, she, my children came and showed that the toothpaste she bought has expired. When she bought it, it was fresh, but she bought it so plenty. So one day, she went and said, the expiry date. She said, hey, how many still remaining? But that day just happened. She said, soap had finished. And she, wanted, she had entered the bathroom when she discovered it. So I just, I just went into the chest of drawers. I just said, no, let me get. You know these small, small hotel soaps, those tiny, tiny ones? I just pulled one out, and on no name. I've gotten it from a hotel. Maybe they gave you soap, stuff like that. I don't know. It was just there. So I just pulled it out. I gave it to her. She looked at it. I went to the bathroom and said, ah, which kind of Yamayama soap is this one? 
if you ask her, I said, my friend, come here. You need a lesson in thanksgiving. God just supplies supernaturally. You, you think it's a joke? And you're telling me which kind of funny soup is this? He said, no, no, what I meant was I've never seen the name before. I said, no, it's not supposed to come from your mouth. Thank God for that deliverance. At least now you have a few hours to go and get your normal supplies. She has never heard me complain about life in 22 years. This is the same person that will ask me, have you eaten? I didn't complain. You know, the Bible says, associate with the lowly. One of the things I do is I just think of people worse off than me. When I say associate with the lowly, that's how I interpret it. I just think of people worse off than me, and I have no reason for complaining. You know, tell me that, uh, you know, your country, power is not constant. I told my classmates, say, you Nigerians take a lot of nonsense. I said, no, you take as much nonsense as I do, that they live abroad. I said, the difference is the kind of nonsense you're ready to live with. I said, the kind of nonsense you live with, I can't live with it. My children can't go to a school where their teacher is homosexual. It's not allowed. And I will not be able to talk. A man married to a man is my, my son's teacher. It's not going to happen in a lifetime. But you tolerate it. I can't. All I need to tolerate is power failure, which I have a generator that I can fuel. And you want me to complain? Why can't we take a little bit of beating if we really believe the gospel? Why can't we just endure? Do you realize all the blessings you are seeing the environment needs has to come from somebody? Go and listen to my series, God's Champion. He said, I will send him a savior and a champion and he will deliver them. Do you realize God sent you? From the time of John the Baptist, the king, I like the amplified rendering there. He said, the kingdom of heaven, how did he say it again? Has endured violent assault. And violent men seize it by force. As a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Listen to me. There are other parables I'm going to read, but because of time, I'll just stop it now. What I just want to leave with you today. Tell yourself, this salvation, I will not escape if I neglect so great a salvation. That Jesus paid a great price, though. There's a particular scripture. I have to read it again. So I remind me of that scripture. We have heard of, is it Habakkuk or Hosea? Habakkuk 3, 2. Open this, this one for me, please. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. And I'll leave you to pray with this. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. So allow me to read from NLT, please. Is, is NIV, right? Yes, it's NIV. Uh-huh. Because NIV rendering is so beautiful. He said, Lord, yeah, this is it. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Did you hear that? We've heard of the great things you did in times past. We've heard of your deliverance. We've heard of testimonies, healing. People like Alexander Dowie. <laughs> Maria Woodward Etta, they came to her. A woman had a massive tumor somewhere. She said, let us strike with the sword of the spirit. Took a Bible, hit the tumor, it disappeared. <laughs> John G. Lake described how he put his hand 
on a man that had a funny tumor growing. And he prayed for over it. Do you know his hand burnt into the tumor? Ordinary hand. He burnt into it. And the thing began to shrivel from there. Archbishop Idahosa, what's the story to be here? The day he said that greater works shall they do. Ah, the man said, I did not dead people here. He started riding from house to house, looking for where people died. Finally, he got to a house where a little girl died about an hour before. He said, good. That's what I was looking for. Raise the girl from the dead. Because you're reading his Bible. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In your wrath, remember mercy. What is God saying? I'm looking for somebody. Where can do this things through? Let's bow down our heads to pray.